Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's pray. Father, as we jump into your word this morning, we ask you that, that as we come with an open heart to your word today, that as we look at it and as we share thoughts this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We thank you for this journey of Ephesians that we're on. And, and we, Lord, as we just go through this book, we're not rushing we're not wanting to go to the next thing. We're wanting to dig deep. We're wanting to hear what you say to us through and by your spirit. And we thank you for this opportunity. And everybody said, amen. So, you know, this morning, uh, we're so glad that you're here. I look around. I see so many smiling faces. John down the back there, John Hannah. Yeah, that's it. That's how you do it, bro. Good to see you this morning. But so good that you're here today. Our prayer, uh, as you've joined with us this morning, is that as we're sharing something from the Word of God, that you'd receive something from the Word of God that would build you and bless your life for this week. Amen. So as we jump in this morning, we're nearing the first half uh, of the book of Ephesians, getting near the end of chapter uh, 3. And I thought it was a good time to revisit the structure of the book. And we started from day one, we said that the book of Ephesians is broken up into two parts. The first part, chapters 1 to 3, is about doctrine and theology, amen, about understanding theology and the, and, and, and the Word of God. And then we talked about the second part of the chapter is about application, chapters 4 through to uh, 6, I think it is, about applying God's Word. And that's been the discussion from day one about our journey in Ephesians is that God's not just wanting us to know the Word and to understand the Word. He's wanting us to what? Come on, you can say it louder than that this morning. This is not an Anglican church, amen? Hallelujah. God's wanting us to understand the word, but then to do the word, amen? Not just to be a hearer of the word, as Jesus warned us, but to be doers of the word as well. So that's what we've been looking at. And in the first three chapters, uh, we see that, that Paul teaches some fundamental principles of our salvation, and he jumps right into understanding grace. That's what we've seen in the first few chapters. Then the next three chapters, uh, Paul shifts gear a little bit and starts to share some practical things about our lives. And Paul starts to explain about using spiritual gifts. Amen. Come on, you are gifted by God. God's wanting us to use our gifts for the glory of God. Hallelujah. If you don't believe that you're gifted, then you need to read the Word of God. Everybody has been gifted, endowed, blessed with a spiritual endowment. Amen. And we need to be using it for the glory of God. So he talks about that. Then he talks about in chapters three, uh, 4 to 6 about putting aside uh, sin in our actions and in our speech. He talks about fulfilling our assigned roles in the church and in our families. Amen. Did you know we're not only assigned roles in our families, but God's assigned us to fulfill roles in the local church as well. Amen. Every member in God's eye is a minister. Hallelujah. You don't need to have a, a, a collar or a, a degree, etc. You just need to be open to God and understand that He has placed you in this church for a significant thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever that may be, you're in this house for a reason. Not just to warm that seat on a Sunday, but to fulfill the role that God has for you. Amen. Give me a smile. Hallelujah. Amen. So he looks at that, then he looks at imitating Christ uh, and resisting greed and showing forgiveness. And then he talks about living uh, called out lives in the midst of an ungodly culture. Does that sound anything like today? Just a little bit. So let's jump into this morning, Ephesians chapter 3. 
verses 14. If you haven't opened up your Bibles, then you can. So it starts, Paul starts speaking with this. So he says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit on the inner man and a woman, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God, which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Paul begins with this verse or phrase. He says, for this reason. So I want to start this morning by asking the question, what reason? Paul says, for this reason. Well, the question we've got to ask is, well, what then is the reason that he starts to open up these texts with that? Well, the reason we find is in the arguments of the discussions that Paul made in verses and chapters 1 and chapters 2. Amen. Uh, He looks at in those chapters, Paul explains how believers have received immeasurable blessings from God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. You know, this morning I was just so tempted to, um, to preach Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's verse 22, where it says that now God is able to do exceedingly abundantly far above what we could ever hope, think, or imagine. That's next Sunday morning, amen. We're going to talk about that, how it relates to we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, amen. That's, uh, that's for next Sunday morning. But Paul, Paul's reason for falling on his knees and praying is because he starts to discuss and to understand that we have been given such immeasurable blessings from God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't feel that you're blessed, come on, you are so blessed. So blessed, I can't get to. Won't even go there. Amen. But we are so blessed. But we're going to learn next Sunday about how to appropriate the blessings that God has given us. So Paul then starts to talk about in these couple of chapters in Ephesians about how from the foundation, before the foundations of the earth, we were selected to be God's own possessions, amen. He prearranged good works for us to walk in, that we've been adopted into the family of God and now share in an internal inheritance. We discovered in the first chapter that Paul teaches that we have been chosen by the Father, saved by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit, Amen. We see these in this verse here. That's why Paul is fully engaged in heartfelt prayer. He starts to think about and starts to outline what God has done for us through Christ in chapters 1 through to 3. And that's why he says, For this reason I fall to my knee and pray. Paul says in a number of occasions in those couple of chapters, God open up the eyes of our heart so that we would understand the enormity of what you've done for us. He's like, God, what you've done for us is just so incredible. Help us to really see what it is that you've done. Help us to understand how great and how awesome and how mighty our salvation is because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Paul could see it. And that's why as he starts to reflect on it, he falls to his knees out of admiration to the Father. 
Because he sees what God has done now. No longer is salvation just for the Jews. No, now salvation is for everyone. Jew and Gentile now can share in the same inheritance, can now share in the same salvation. That might not sound much to you today, but back then that was massive. Amen. It was so massive. And that's why Paul's attitude is one of falling to his knees, being compelled to pray. I think Paul would have reflected on his own journey as to who he once was and the way that he lived his life before Christ and now in Christ, his understanding of salvation and of God's plan is absolutely, totally transformed and changed. Amen. So this brings us to the first key thought in verse 16. Paul prays the Father would grant the church in Ephesus to be strengthened spiritually by God's power. Verse 16, it says, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. What does it mean to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man? What does that mean there to be strengthened? Well, I want to share a couple of thoughts. It's the power from the spirit of God that leads us to a closer walk, one that's dependent upon the spirit of God and less dependent on our own desires. That's what it means to be strengthened that no longer we're relying on our own strength, now we're relying on the strength of Christ in us. Now, no longer are we being led by our own desires, now we're being led by the desires of Christ. Amen. That's what it means to be strengthened. And Paul's praying the prayer, I pray that you be strengthened on the inner person. Amen. Not led by the flesh and not led by the corrupt corruptness of the flesh, no, but that we would be strong enough to overcome that stuff and be led by Christ in us. Amen. The hope of glory. Amen. If a Christian is not interested in seeking spiritual strength at the expense of their flesh, then not much more is going to be possible for them. And a believer who isn't seeking spiritual strength is like something like trying to train a runner who won't tie his or her shoelaces up. We need to be seeking God for spiritual strength. Amen. And the point that I want to make is this this morning. God is the one who grants spiritual strength, but he grants it to those who seek for it and after it. We should be making appeals to God for the Lord to increase our spiritual strength and prepare us for the journey ahead. That's why in the book of James it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I believe that without exception, we are living in an age and a time where we need to be strengthened spiritually more than ever before. You know, I, I don't know where, where you live and, and, and what you read and, and, and what you're aware of, but the Christian church today is living in a time where it has not ever seen as much persecution as it is seen right now today. There are in excess of 200 million Christians across the globe that are living in daily, constant persecution because of their faith. Wow. You might be thinking this morning, well, I live in Shell Cove. I haven't got a problem. Well, I want to help you. I believe that the era and the age that we're about to enter into is going to see more persecution for Christians in particular in Australia than we have ever seen before. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Israel Falau who yesterday went to the, um, to the um, football tribunal um, because of a post that he shared a number of weeks ago. And it looks like he could potentially, I don't think he will, because, you know, anyway, that's another story. 
But, but he's gone to the tribunal and potentially he could be sacked and, and, and removed from the $4 million contract that he has for playing his sport. Now, the thought was is that Israel Folau, um posted a, a verse of Scripture. Uh, it's in one of the epistles and it talks about um, uh, the judgment of God towards uh, uh, covetous people, adulterous people, drunken people, um, homosexual people. It says, and the like shall, shall go to hell. Now, he, he texted that, he posted that, uh, that scripture up there, right? And because of that, uh, people are saying that they're so offended by what he said. Now, my thought is this. How can you get offended about something you don't believe in? It's ridiculous. Unless, unless there's an insidious drive to denounce and to remove the word of God from society. And I would say to us or propose to us today that it's not about Israel Folau's post and it might, have been, might not have been the best way to post what he did post, but it was and is the word of God. And like I say, why are people saying that they're so offended about something that they don't, don't believe in? But I believe that there's a bigger picture at stake. So that's why Paul said to the church in Ephesians and is saying to us today that God wants to strengthen us, strengthen us so that we can stand and we can fight the fight that we need to fight, amen. We are entering into a time, as I said before, that we are going to see people removed from their workplace because of their faith. Well, this is where we need to stand up and to be strong, amen. I've often thought about my job and in the future. <laughs> And I've said to them before, I'm the, I'm the only protected species in this room today. I'm the only one out of this number of people that can say that marriage is between a man and a woman and not face the courts because of that. The rest of us cannot. That's where we are right now. So we need to be strengthened to be able to stand against the spirit of the age that wants to come against us and shut us down from proclaiming the word of God. Because God's word, the gospel, has the power to change lives and to see people born again, saved, restored, healed, like nothing else in our community can do. Amen? How you doing, mate? Hmm. Just run out of puff. I haven't preached for a couple of weeks. I'm like, <laughs> getting my breath back. So that's the first thing that we want to focus on here. Paul's prayer is that we receive spiritual strength. That brings us to the second point. Have, have a look in verse 17. It says this, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is a big one. Please don't hear anything else here this, this morning. That Christ may, be, may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. A couple of thoughts that we don't want to rush over this thought here. This verse begins with a so that. Okay, look at it. It says, so that, in the NIV, indicating that should the Father grant Paul's request in verse 16 to be strengthened, then it may lead to the next step. The next step is that Christ would dwell in their hearts. I want to open that up just a little bit there. Paul was writing to believers, so these Christians already had the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them by faith, Right? Absolutely, without exception. Therefore, we know Paul was speaking here of something else. In fact, we could translate or rewrite verse 17 like this, that Christ be at home 
in your hearts. Paul's saying that God would strengthen you spiritually so that Christ would dwell in your hearts. Amen. They had the Spirit of God, but for Christ to dwell within us, Paul was saying to the believers that they already had the Spirit, but by gaining spiritual strength in an inner man, we become a place where Christ may feel at home. Just pause on that for a moment. Christ didn't. It is. Christ indwells every believer by his spirit, right? But he dwells in us when our thoughts and our behaviors mirror his. It's the difference between Jesus being in the back seat of your car or behind the wheel. Paul was saying that be strengthened on the inner man so that Christ may dwell within you, that Christ would feel comfortable living within you. Amen. Paul prayed that the thoughts of Christ would become the thoughts of the church, and as a result, the church would be rooted and grounded in love. Listen to this thought this morning. To be rooted in something means to find our supply in that thing, the root supply of the rest of the plant with everything that it needs. And the question this morning is this, is what are our lives rooted in? Where do we go for our supply? Often in life, we can go to so many other things for our supply other than Christ, amen. The TV, the phones, the, the whatever it may be, we can just go to, when we're going through a difficult thing, we can go to all the wrong places for our supply, but God is wanting us to go to Him, amen, to Christ for His supply in our lives, amen. So Paul moves on. Paul then goes to define God's love, and he uses uh, uh, terms for it, four terms that we're going to look at. But before that, he starts with the word comprehend. Amen. The term comprehend also means this it means to lay hold of something, uh, to seize something. And the thing he wants them to comprehend is to seize and to understand and to comprehend God's love. That's what we're going to finish with this morning. And in verse 18, have a look in your scriptures this morning. It says, May be able to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. Amen. <clears throat> We're doing really well for time this morning, so we won't rush the next few minutes, but the thought is this, is that as we just have a, a bit of an overview of those four words, that we would allow by the Spirit of God for that truth to settle on our hearts about God's love for us. You know, we, we say it so often, you know, God loves us and God loves you and God loves me and he does. But the depth of God's love. Paul said, may you comprehend the depth of, of God's love in Christ for you. May you, may, you, may you seize it. May you lay a hold of it. May, may it become your own understanding. Amen. So we'll have a look at these few thoughts there. Thoughts here. Verse 18. says, Maybe I'll comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. Paul uses these four four terms here. And the first one, the breadth of God's love describes its all-encompassing nature. Amen? His all-encompassing nature. God's love is not reserved for just some kinds of people, bald people. 
good-looking people. Oh, I'll get pass on the first one, not the second. Amen? God's love not just reserved for a few, not for not just the Jews or the pious people. God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness, His riches are available to Jew and to Gentile, kings, paupers, priests and pagans. God's love is broad enough for everyone. Amen? And I thought if the church could only get more of a hold of that, I believe that we'd be more courageous in sharing the love of God with all people that we see rather than thinking that his love is just limited for us. And if you know God's love, his breadth of love is for everyone. Hallelujah. And his love is so powerful towards you today. Secondly, the length of God's love refers to his limitless reach. Amen. Listen to it. The length of God's love refers to his limitless reach. Is someone too far from God to reach? Is someone too evil? Is someone too hardened, too unworthy? Amen. Is someone like that? No, because the length of God's love reaches as far as the ends of the earth and into the hardest hearts, God's love, as far as from the east is from the west. God's love is so amazing, amen. In fact, remember Paul on the road to Damascus, just incredible. He was a a murderer and an assassin. He wasn't the likely candidate to receive the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God, was he? Amen. Any murderers out there? Don't put your hand up. That's just not... (laughs) Any assassins out there? Don't put your hand up. Paul was just, he was a bad man to the core. He was a very bad man, very zealous man. But it's interesting about this this, uh, length of God's love because Paul says in 1 Timothy that he was called as an apostle specifically to demonstrate the length God was willing to go and extend forgiveness towards people. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul's saying, hey, I was such a bad dude, such a bad man. But look how great the the love of God is that Jesus was able to save me and love me. What an example. And Paul was saying that that was part of the illustration of my life. If God could reach him, God can reach anyone. And this thought here at this morning for us as Christians today, the love of God can reach us no matter how far we stray, no matter how completely our sin may consume us, or how discouraged we may, be, we may become in our walk with God. God's love reaches further. His forgiveness never runs out. His grace is sufficient. Amen. You might be struggling with that this morning. Say, well, God, this and that. God loves you. Just open up your heart to your Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Hmm. cool just about done amen hallelujah thirdly the height of God's love refers to its inexhaustible supply sorry Karen my, 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 my love's run out it stopped at Ruth sorry about that yeah, only, I've only got so much to go around, you know. No. The height of God's love refers to its inexhaustible supply. God's love just keeps piling up, and it's always sufficient to address our deepest needs, satisfying us in the way that the world cannot. Amen. When you've anchored your life and, and, and your, your heart 
uh, in the love of Christ for you and his riches reserved for eternity, then you aren't rocked by life's disappointment. Stuff's going to happen in life, right? But you see those afflictions that are only a momentary in light because the love of God that, 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 that Christ has for you towers above everything else that might be going on in your life. We've seen that time and time again. People that are facing incurable diseases or, or suffering some um, um, heartfelt tragedy in their life, overcoming. Why? Because of the love of Christ within them that is poured out from the Father. Hallelujah. Fourthly this morning, Paul prays we would know the depth of God's love, which refers to his unlimited mercy. Amen. Paul says that you would, he, we would comprehend the love of God. We would know the depth of God's love, which refers to his unlimited mercy. God's power uh, to bring us joy far surpasses the degree of sorrow that the world can inflict. Stuff happens. Believers walking in spiritual strength, rooted in God's love, still face difficulty in life. Uh, but by God's love, we can face them with a resilience that the world can't understand. This is so true. We have feelings, we still feel pain or anger or resentment, at least for the moment, but the depths of Christ's love brings a new mature perspective to those circumstances because we've comprehended the love of God. We know how secure our lives are now, no matter what it is that we face in life because of the love of God poured out by our Father. Amen. Like I said this morning, I was so tempted to jump straight into this verse but I want us to conclude today with where we'll be going next Sunday morning in Ephesians chapter 3 remember we, we, we start this with, with Paul just absolutely being overcome and overwhelmed with the incredibleness of what God has done, amen so much so that the revelation of that makes him fall to his knee but then in chapter 3 verse 20 this is how he concludes these verses in chapter 3 it says now to him who was able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen next Sunday morning I so look forward to us delving into this verse of scripture here I believe it's going to help us to know what it means to appropriate, to receive the promises that Paul spoke about being poured out towards us. Amen. You are so blessed, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's bow our heads as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us. We, we trust today, Lord, as that we've opened up your word that by your great Holy Ghost, your great Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking to hearts and lives today. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this journey that we're on. We pray that you continue to teach us. And more importantly, you encourage us to continue to apply what it is that we've been learning. So we just thank you for this morning. And everybody said, Amen.